there are some corners of the universe which have read the most terrible things, things which act against everything that we believe in. They must be fought. everyone and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time my name is caleb and i'm mac and this is a podcast where a doctor who veteran and a doctor who beginner go through each episode of doctor who and give their thoughts on it and this week we'll be watching the moon base yes the moon base was written by kit peddler who you might recognize as the person who wrote the 10th planet was directed by morris berry Produced by Innes Lloyd and aired February 11th, 1967 to March 4th, 1967. So I mentioned in the last episode that I had been listening to, I listened to an interview with Annika Wills and I watched that documentary about the underwater menace and multiple times they said that the producer's name was Innes Lloyd and I've been saying Eins Lloyd this entire time in my defense. I have only ever seen that name written. The only time I have ever seen the name Innis was in Fire Emblem the Sacred Stones. <laughs> yeah, I was going to note that in the last episode when you said Ennis. I was like, who the fuck is this Ennis guy? Ennis Lloyd is the producer, not not Eins Lloyd, as I've been saying. Well, I think Eins Lloyd sounds better. So as we know, I don't care about pronunciation even a little bit. Anytime you attempt to say a French word, I think we can all agree pronunciation is not really one of your priorities. Not even, even in American dialects, I don't give a shit what it's called. And I was like, eh, I like the way this sounds better. <laughs> Eins Lloyd sounds cool. Ennis sounds like a nerd. I think it's supposed to be a little bit more Gaelic, a little bit more Scots. Scots? Ennis Lloyd. But anyway, enough about the pronunciation of the producer's name. I know our audience is dying to hear more about that topic, but we gotta move on to the moon base. The moon base. Speaking of which, Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the title of the episode, The Moon Base, what do you think this episode is going to be about? Uh, the moon? Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. One that's a 100% accuracy. <laughs> we are about to win a goddamn podcast award with that type of prediction. <laughs> oh, geez. I don't know. I'm going to say that the doctor lands on the moon and it's the wrong time and he accidentally blows up, oh, you know, the thing with Neil Armstrong on it. He accidentally kills Neil Armstrong and the other guy and the Soviets beat us to the moon. Okay. So your theory <laughs> is that, is that the doctor accidentally assassinates Neil Armstrong and then the Soviets win the space race. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, crazier shit has happened in this show. I don't know. If, well, no, I would say they haven't directly assassinated someone, but they did burn down Rome. I mean, that's kind of like assassinating someone, right? 
Yeah, but nobody important. They're just peasants. Oh my god, what is the fucking lunar mission that Neil Armstrong was on? It starts with an A. Apollo? Apollo. Oh my god, I could not think of the word. <laughs> Which upsets me, because I was really big into space stuff for a long time. I'm looking forward to this episode because I'm a little bit relieved because we were having to listen to it before. Uh, and then I was like, no, the DVD is relatively cheap. So I bought the DVD like this morning. So when we come back, it'll be just a couple seconds for you, but probably like a while for us because we're waiting for the DVD to come in the mail. <laughs> and then I've got to record it and then send it to you. So And I will very responsibly watch it at times two speed and watch it all within the first hour before we start recording yeah yeah of course yeah yeah no it'll be perfect it, that, that, that way it's fresh it's crisp in my mind you know people can say a lot of things about you caleb but they can't call you inconsistent they can't they really can't i even when i try even when i'm like okay listen i'm not gonna fuck i'm not gonna fuck myself over like i do every time and binge this and spend six hours of a day doing this podcast i'm gonna space it out and then I will watch one episode, and then five days will go by, and then I will binge the rest of the episodes. And on that note, <laughs> we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was nine days for us. Time's funny like that. It was nine days for us, but we actually only had two days to listen to it. Yeah. Um, because, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say the name of the profile on eBay, because I don't want to be a dick and I don't want to call them out, but just in general... If people are going to be posting things that they would like to sell on eBay, make sure you have it in fucking stock first. Yeah. <laughs> because I ordered the Moonbase DVD so that we could watch this one, and it was taking its sweet-ass time in being delivered, so I messaged, the, I messaged the person on eBay and said, Hey, do you have an ETA of when this is going to be sent out? And without actually providing a response, they just refunded my money and then said, item not in stock. <laughs> I already bought it. What do you mean, item not in stock? Why did you make the eBay page? So I ended up having to listen to it. And uh, I also got cast in a show, which means a lot of my evenings are no longer available. So we were like, we either have to wait an extra week before we record or we have to listen to it all in two days. So so Mac cannot bitch at me about cramming it this time because I had to do it anyway. I will not judge you for cramming it this time because, at least by my own standards, I also crammed it. <laughs> <laughs> I spread the episode, the first two episodes out a little bit. I listened to one on Friday and then, or one on Thursday, one on Friday, and then didn't have time to listen to any. And then just like late last night, I listened to the last two. So, by my definition, it's cramming. Your def by your definition of cramming, you got done almost immediately before we started recording. <laughs> this is, I need to finish this paper in study hall because the class is next period. 
kind of <laughs> I'm not cramp. saying that I ever did that. But I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a busy man, Mac. I got busy things. But yeah, enough rambling on. Caleb, general thoughts. What'd you think of what what'd you think of the moon base? It was alright. Yeah. It was, it was all right as far as uh, audio only goes. Yeah, uh, th- again, that's my big struggle is I have goldfish brain and it's very hard for me to just sit and listen to stuff. Yeah, well, it doesn't... It, I, we'll get more into it later, but it doesn't help that it feels like a, major- a majority of the dialogue in this episode was like techno babble and like mumbo jumbo jargon and mm-hmm. it really could have benefited from visual element. And unlike some other episodes where we've listened or we watched on BritBox and I didn't have the DVD of yet. When I get the DVD of those, I probably won't really watch them all the way through. I'll just test it to make sure the DVD works. This one I'm actually going to watch all the way through because I feel like it's a completely different experience watching it visually versus audio. Oh, I 100% agree with that. My general thoughts is it's the 10th Planet 2 Cyber Harder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Two Cyber 2 Man. I like that one. Uh, I can pretty much agree with that. And it's not even... The stakes aren't even as high as the 10th planet, you know? Uh, which I guess, like, not every story with the Cybermen can be, like, having a planet exploding in the atmosphere. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I, have, I have a lot of thoughts, and I'm eager to talk about them. So let's go ahead and get started. Oh, yeah. Let's just dive into it. I guess we should actually talk about the episodes, huh? Yeah, sure. Why not? Episode 1. The Doctor stops the TARDIS from crashing, and at first it seems like they actually landed on Mars. Ben realizes it's the moon, though, and appropriately rips the Doctor over it. The Doctor wants to leave, but Ben and Polly insist on staying for some reason. While they explore the moon, Jamie, unaccustomed to the low gravity, injures himself. Ben and Polly watch as he is dragged away into a mysterious moon base. Ben, Polly, and the Doctor are led into the moon base, where they learn everyone is dealing with a mysterious virus. A man named Hobson explains the purpose of the moon base is to control the weather on Earth. Literally. Like, they drive hurricanes. In the sick bay, Jamie dreams of the Phantom Piper, and Ben is recruited to help around the base. However, as men grow ill and start disappearing, the situation becomes tense. The episode ends with Jamie muttering about the Phantom Piper as a mysterious metallic figure emerges from the shadows. See, I was was kind of hoping that you'd be on board with Ben and Polly wanting to explore this time because they have this this mentality that's like, yeah, it isn't the place that we wanted to go, obviously, but it's the fucking moon. <laughs> when are we going to get this chance again? We got to go. <laughs> we got to go jumping around on the moon's surface. That's so cool. I guess I don't know if I was if I was on the ship I'd be like yep that's the moon all right all right crank the crank the TARDIS up let's get rolling Caleb just out of curiosity when specifically did you stab your inner child repeatedly in the neck um <laughs> hmm, that's a good question probably when I was about 19 hmm, okay cool just wanted to make sure anyway <laughs> they they do it like twice in this story at least the thing that annoys me more than anything else in this fucking show because they're they're on the surface of the moon and Polly says she saw some sort of glow in the sky and Ben says ah it's probably just your eyes getting used to lunar light yep well I said that I was like here we go again 
Polly literally points out the villain in the last arc, but, you know, like, she wouldn't do that twice in a row. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably getting to just do Lunar Light, whatever the fuck that is. Ben, you are a single-digit IQ man who is part of the Navy. I'm not going to take your word on the scientific accuracy of anything that goes on here. I have a lot of feelings about Polly doing shit in this story and then being completely dismissed several times throughout the story. Several times. No, Polly frustrates me in this episode too, so... Yeah. The audio uh, medium was making it a little bit difficult to understand what they were saying some of the time uh, when they were in their spacesuits. But that being said, I did really like the sound effect of, like, the muffled radio of -hmm. them communicating through spacesuits. It's like you're not hearing their voice. You're hearing their voice through the the comm channel. I thought that was was neat. No, I like that a lot, too. Um, What I didn't like as much during this sequence was when it was describing them jumping in the low gravity and the sound effect going... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That was really annoying. Because it just kept happening. And then they go into the base. After Jamie hurts himself. Yeah, Jamie hurts himself. He uh, gets a concussion. He gets brought into the sick bay and the moon base. And Polly is looking after him. And Jamie is, like, muttering about this this piper. And Polly's, like, taking care of him. And the doctor comes in to check on him. And the doctor's asking who this piper is. And Polly says that it's some superstition of his clan. They say that the Piper appears before him a crimin when he dies. And the doctor says, oh no, he hasn't seen the Piper yet, has he? And Polly says, you don't really believe in that, do you? And the doctor's like, no, but he does. And I'm like, yeah, Polly, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> don't dismiss Jeez, his Polly. beliefs like that. Fuck you. Rude. <laughs> we have to respect everyone's superstitions. I mean... He's a Highlander from, uh, I forget what time period it is. I want to say the 1700s, I'm not sure. But, like, now he's on a moon base in 2070. And, like, cut him a little slack. <laughs> I refuse. Vicky didn't give Barbanian slack for anything. And that's part of why I loved her. <laughs> yeah, I guess you got a point there. <laughs> but, I don't know, just leave Jamie alone. <laughs> he's a good boy. <laughs> He's a good boy. He's just a little confused sometimes. (laughs) Also, the various members of the crew were talking back and forth, and I make the note of, oh, sure, now they have an actor with a French accent. No, (laughs) I will never get over that. Stop asking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now suddenly we have all these French actors around. Now that we're on the moon, of course, we have to have a French actor. But we're in, when we're in the goddamn French Revolution, God forbid we have anyone even try to fake a French accent. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm surprised you got hung up on that and not like the very dense like techno babble explain the Gravitron thing. Oh, I did. I did. The moon base, I wasn't joking earlier. The moon base is the 10th planet to Cyber Harder because... It is the 10th planet again. It's just that a lot of stuff is just more for better and worse. Like Mm -hmm. there's just as much techno jargon. There's just as much communication between an isolated base and their headquarters um, somewhere else on Earth. The Cybermen invade. Polly makes coffee. Like (laughs) 
it is very, very similar in a lot of ways. And the fact that it's written by the same person tells me that uh, Kit Peddler knows how to write one story. <laughs> Just one. The single story. Just the one uh, single story. Yeah, I can see that. Because a lot of the things I do like about this episode are the things I like about the Tenth Planet. <laughs> yeah. Because I, like, they, they control over the bases is a guy named Thompson. And he's, like, sensibly doubtful of the Doctor, I think. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of the problems they start experiencing don't really occur as intensely until the Doctor arrives. Yeah, which is, if you'll recall, the exact same motivation as the guy from Tenth Planet. So, cool. At least cool. it's familiar, I guess? <laughs> I'm the perfect audience for writers like this, though, because I observe everything in a vacuum. I do not think about anything that came before or after the, the plot happening right this second. God, I wish that were me. <laughs> twists always get me i'm always surprised i like the exact same things but the same uh, yeah i don't like repetitive shows like house so my theater education at ball state just it had me dissect things to such a degree like to such a minute degree so constantly that on the one hand i feel like i can enjoy what i enjoy a lot more fully now but also it makes me more critical of pretty much every single thing that i <laughs> experience so it's a double-edged sword <laughs> yeah i was kind of like that after my theater degree too but then i just kind of like turned off a lot of that stuff so <laughs> i refuse because i spent five years and way too much money getting that piece of paper and i'm gonna fucking use it yeah i spent a lot of time doing it too and then <clears throat> then i'm like wow i don't really enjoy anything anymore what if i just <laughs> Turned all that off and just started enjoying stuff again. That's fair. I do like how this episode, the story, uh, brings back the Cybermen while still having Ben and Polly be the companions. Because mm -hmm. they don't need it explained how dangerous they are. They needed, they needed the Daleks explained to them because they had never experienced it. But they saw the Cybermen firsthand. They fucking killed the Doctor at one point, so... This is the real deal, man. Yeah. And on that note, when Polly, like screams because she sees a Cyberman silhouette or figure, I feel like that scream is actually justified as opposed to a lot of the other screams in the show because she only caught a glimpse of it, but I'm certain like some part of her brain recognized the Cyberman when she saw it. And she was like, ah, oh, fuck, not again. Please, not again. <laughs> Don't strap me into the chair again. <laughs> but uh, those are all the notes I have for that episode specifically. Yeah, that's really all the notes I have, too. So let's move on. All right. Episode 2. Instead of going for Jamie, the Cyberman snatches the body of another dead man in the room. Polly screams as she sees the Cyberman disappear, drawing the attention of Hobson and the Doctor. When Hobson accuses the Doctor of bringing the situation to them, Ben's ready to leave. However, the Doctor wants to stay and figure it out. As the Doctor investigates the disease, Polly and Jamie are attacked by another Cyberman. Two engineers head out to fix an antenna and are killed by the Cybermen as well. Polly does what she does best and serves coffee. But the doctor realizes it's the sugar supply that is making everyone sick. When they head out to the sick bay, they discover a Cyberman taking a little nap and he's pissed when they wake him up. It's funny, I don't think that the, that the end of the first episode, I don't think the narration actually mentions that it's a Cyberman. A Cyberman who is appearing over Jamie. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they just mentioned, like, a, a tall, imposing figure and Jamie freaking out because he thinks it's the Piper. And 
then the next episode starts and they just are referring to the Cyberman as if you already know. Like, mm. I know that it was a Cyberman, but I'm not sure most people would. And then it's like, oh shit, there's a Cyberman in the room? When did that happen? <laughs> Cyberman, is that what this... Is that what this story is about? Ah, fuck. I didn't realize they were in this one. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I mean, I'm not sure if you went on the wiki and saw their redesign, but... Uh, I did see it. Okay, so what'd you, what'd you think of the new design? They just seem like Cybermen who went on a cyber diet. Like, I, I feel like it's like a very similar design, just slimmed down. <laughs> which I don't hate, because they looked stupid before, but... Yeah, very slimmed down, much more metallic... They don't have the cloth helmet on anymore. They have, like, mm-hmm. an actual, like, metal helmet over them. And because it's a metal helmet as opposed to cloth, there is no movement in their face anymore. Just a single uh, blank expression face. Yeah, I didn't do, like, a compare and contrast between the two. I was just like, eh, yeah, yeah. They look like Cybermen. They don't have a fridge on their chest anymore. That's cool. <laughs> they don't have a refrigerator on their chest anymore. Uh, But, yeah. They look fine for a 1960s robot, man. Oh, the first thing I want to point out is, so they come in, the guy is, like, missing, and then Hobson yells at the doctor and basically says, no one was disappearing until you arrived. Uh, I think you should leave. And Ben was like, you know what? I agree. This shit's getting kind of intense. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Ben, you always have the best instincts on when it's time to go. <laughs> Literally, one of my notes is, once again, Ben is like, well, people are dying. Time to leave. And then the sub note is 10 bucks says Caleb agrees with him. So you owe me 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like, uh, no, I guess I would owe you 10 bucks. I was going to say, you should pay me 10 bucks. <laughs> you should pay me 10 bucks because you made me listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you make me listen to things I continually agree with. <laughs> How dare it's you? It's not exciting anymore. <sighs> it happened again. It happened again, and this time, she actually did see something. It wasn't just a trick of the light last time. Now she actually saw a Cyberman walk into the room, pick someone else up, and then walk out. And they were just like, oh, I'm sure you were just imagining something. Dude, someone's fucking gone! What do you think happened? (laughs) Yeah, again, uh, this is a common theme in this episode. The thing that we hated in the last episode was, it's just a continual dismissal of Polly. That gets even worse later. Because she does nothing the whole episode, which I find very irritating. Well, not the whole episode. She does come up with, yeah, she comes up with a plan later. She does one thing, and what happens immediately after that pisses me off. Anyway, we'll get to that when we get to that. But <laughs> Hobson being so quick to dismiss the existence of Cybermen because he's just like, ah, oh, all of them were killed years ago because of, you know, the events of 10th Planet. Then he immediately provides the perfect scenario that the Cybermen would fit. He said, ah, oh, it can't be the Cybermen. They they all died years ago. All these men are disappearing, and they have to be around here somewhere because they can't just walk out with any sort of spacesuits. You'd have to be some sort of machine man in order to survive out in the vacuum <laughs> of space. But as I said, they're all dead, which means that can't be a possibility. <laughs> oh, Hobson. Oh, Hobson. You idiot. I think this is one of the first arcs. Well, I don't know, maybe I'm not remembering if he does or not. But, uh, no, he doesn't. And this is one of the first arcs where, like, the kind of, like, human antagonist of the story doesn't get got by the end of it. He doesn't, but I also feel like by the time he sees the Cybermen, I don't think Hobson is really an antagonistic force anymore. 
Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Usually these people die, so it's very strange when they don't. Well, all the Cybermen die at the end? I don't think they do. I, I wouldn't they, define it as that. <laughs> they they don't. They are defeated, but they don't die. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that. Yeah. We're on episode two right now. Yeah, we're only on episode two. That's all the way at the very, very, very end of episode four. That's where all the notes I have. I thought this episode was kind of boring and took forever to get to the point. Let me let me go through my notes here. Let's see. Tenth Planet 2, uh, 10 bucks. Um, yeah, and then I say we all we know what uh, Kit Peddler is comfortable with now. A lot of communication between the station and command and a lot of technical speak. And now Polly is being in charge of making coffee. What the fuck? <laughs> every time. Every goddamn time. Oh, the other thing I want to bring up, too, is the Gravitron and kind of like what the moon base does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's designed to control weather on Earth, right? Which I would interpret as you control like the weather patterns through gravity or whatever. I don't know. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> but then, like Central Command calls them and they're like, "That hurricane's getting a little close. You want to steer it about five miles the other way?" I'm like, "Are they, are they driving a hurricane?" <laughs> I guess it wasn't entirely clear. They just said, "Yeah, we control the weather with gravity." Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, and that and then control does specifically ask them to steer a hurricane a different direction. <laughs> yeah, because it was getting just a little bit too close to Florida. Like, well, Florida's used to it, so I'm sure they'll be fine. <laughs> uh, fun fact: here's a piece of trivia. Patrick Troughton was almost crushed to death when, during his initial initial exploration of the control room set, he was almost crushed by the graviton prop when it fell off its rigging and landed just a couple of inches to his left. Oh, fun. <laughs> they they didn't use cardboard? <laughs> nope. They they built a real steel uh, not functional gravitron. Basically, yeah. Ain't that ain't that grand? Am I the only one that thinks that the whole sugar thing is like a huge leap in logic? Yeah, a pretty extreme leap in logic. Okay. I, I want to make sure The doctor's sure just been me. watching what everyone's drinking the whole time. They're like, "Okay, he took it black. He got creamer." He took two spoons of sugar. See, if he was doing that, that's when I would buy it. Because he's been, like, watching people, what they drink, and who got sick, depending on what they had. That I would that I would buy. But instead, what happens is, would anybody like sugar? And then the doctor's like, sugar, of course, that's what it is. Because some people don't take it. And I'm like, okay, it's a solid theory, doctor. You have literally no proof. I feel like some experimentation is going to be done here. <laughs> but he does. He gets a little microscope and he's like, oh, see, the sugar is like a nerve agent. They put anthrax in the sugar or something. Yep, that's what it is. It's anthrax. <laughs> it still feels like just a, a wild leap in logic. No, it's an extreme leap in logic. And that's all I have for episode two. Yeah, like I said, episode two is kind of boring. Really nothing happens. Except uh, the classic, they pulled the sheet back and there's a Cyberman just taking a nap in the bed. Oh, yeah. The Cyberman was just taking a nap. And, like, his little metal boots were, <laughs> were just, like, he was too tall so the blankets didn't cover his little metal boots. And I'm like, that's kind of adorable. <laughs> it's funny because it's reminiscent of, like, the Cyberman, like, stealing people's clothes to sneak onto the base <laughs> in the 10th planet. <laughs> yeah. And it's just kind of working. <laughs> the Cybermen really suck at espionage, but it just, like, keeps working. So 
they think they're really good at espionage. They have no reason to think that they're not good at espionage because everyone around them is so brick stupid <laughs> that it keeps working. Thank God human- humans are idiots. You know what would really improve humans? Being robots. Being robots. <laughs> uh, at this point, fair argument. <laughs> They're like, they keep falling for our dumb plans. If anything, that's all the proof we need that they need to be converted. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, episode three. Another Cyberman enters and the two creatures hold the travelers and the crew hostage. They tell the travelers that the missing crew members are not dead, but they've been taken to the cybership for alterations. Their ultimate goal is to seize control of the Gravitron and use it to destroy the Earth. As the Cybermen seize control, the Travelers try to devise a way to defeat the Cybermen. Polly and Ben remember they are weak to radiation, but aren't sure how to use that against them. Polly suggests using nail polish to dissolve the Cybermen's plastic control console. They then mix a few chemicals into a spray they hope will work. The Cybermen bring in the humans now under their control and put them in charge of the Gravitron. Ben and Polly barge in and start spraying and free the Doctor and the crew. On the Cybership, the Cybermen prepare for a full-on invasion of the base. As Hobson and his men prepare for another attack from the Cybermen, they use a telescope to see an army of the cyborgs heading their way. I really, really like the Cybermen theme. Like the musical theme. Yeah. It has an air of menace to it. It also feels like mechanical and rigid in a way. It's just like, it's really neat. I like Mm -hmm. it. I, I know nothing about music, so I couldn't tell you specifically, like, oh, it's because it goes up on this note here. I don't know music theory, so <laughs> it goes, I can just brow, tell brow, you, brow. I like it. It goes, <laughs> brow, 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 and that's a, cool no- <laughs> that's a cool noise to my ears, so I like it. <laughs> Fair. Um, it was at this point that I was like, man, I miss the Mondasian Cybermen way of speaking. Mm-hmm. Their manner of speech is, it's very robotic. And, like, it's very good, but I do miss the the speech pattern that went like this and sounded so very camp. I was like, <laughs> I miss that. I'm sad that we'll never hear that. <laughs> yeah, the camp is fun. I like, in theory, I like the voices more on this. I don't like it in this format because I had no fucking idea what they were saying the whole time they spoke. <laughs> Well, if it helps, that the next Cybermen episode is visual, so. Thank God. I needed subtitles yes. very badly. <laughs> yeah, no, there were there were a couple times I had to rewind. I was like, what the fuck did he say? No, seriously, what the fuck did he say? And then I rewound it again. I was like, I have no idea what the fuck he said, so we're moving on. I was a little confused by the Cybermen's plan. Not the execution, but the motivation. They want to destroy all life on Earth using the Gravitron and the weather and blah 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 but i figured they would want to convert more humans so killing them seems antithetical to their main goal well i think they they said that they were doing it to eliminate all threats and i could see it as where at a certain point they're kind of cutting their losses because the last time they tried to convert humans their planet blew up that's fair because one of the scientists even like calls them out and it's like, you just want revenge? And they're like, revenge? What is that? Well, it's an emotion. He's like, ah, I'm going to go ahead and stop you right there. We don't have those. We're just getting rid of of a threat that might come up later. <laughs> and the threat is the people who blew up our planet. 
So yes, so I would say it's a it's a cutting the losses thing. Like, look, we could convert these guys, or they could blow us up again. Okay, so we need to we need to fucking we need to fucking talk about this. So Polly comes up with a plan. They're trying to come up with a way of defeating the Cybermen without radiation because they don't have access to any radiation. And uh, she's considering her nails, and she thinks of nail polish removal, and she's like, oh. Oh, oh, I got an idea. And so she comes up with like a um, a chemical solution, which I'm pretty sure she calls polyjuice, which is adorable. Um, <laughs> uh, a chemical solution that will be able to dissolve the plastic because it's mostly a metal bo- body, but it has a plastic casing that has like all the vitals in the center. So if they destroy that, they'll be able to make the Cybermen weak and be able to hit them in their weak spot for massive damage in their cyber organs in their cyber organs uh i like that i like that plan i'm really happy that polly came up with it and then the three of them ben polly and jamie are ready to go use it on the cybermen and fight back and then ben tells her to wait behind because quote fighting cybermen is men's work fuck you she came up with this she should be allowed to give her a spray bottle fuck you (laughs) the guy that was actually in the room while i was listening to this and like that came up and she was like what the fuck did he just say (sighs) yeah no i agree because i was i was pissed yeah no that was polly's plan she was useless the whole time except for being able to make coffee and then she comes up with the solution to beat the enemy and and they're like Oh, thank you, little girl. You can you can go back to playing with dolls now. Fuck you. Yeah, I know. I was pissed. However, in my mind, I still imagine Paula doing it because it's my it's my it's the theater of the mind. It can be whatever I want it to be. <laughs> I can ignore the bad parts all I want. I love the fact I love the fact that the doctor spends like a solid like ten minutes like being like, oh, I think they do sonic mind control, and if I rewire this and I play this with this majigger and then Polly and Jamie and Ben kicking the door and like we choose violence and just kill him <laughs> I did really like the scene because 10 minutes is a bit of an exaggeration but I did really like the scene of like the doctor like having a thought and then responding to it out loud and then it's like having a conversation with himself between his brain and his mouth I thought that was that was fun. I, I thought that was a fun scene. I do think it's hilarious that then they just bust down the door. It's like, hey, we got acid. Check it out. <laughs> that was fantastic. More of that, please. More of the doctor coming up with the plans and the travelers just solving it with violence. Stay tuned. <laughs> but yeah, the Polly getting put on the bench is the my main takeaway from this episode. And I'm pissed. I'm ready to move on if you are. Yeah. <laughs> On to episode four, the exciting conclusion. Hobson decides they only have to hold out until Earth sends a relief vessel to investigate what is going on. The Cybermen awaken Evans, one of the men taken early on, and uses him to use the Gravitron to deflect the ship away from the moon. More crew members awaken and try to escape their quarters, but Ben and Jamie barricade them inside. The Cybermen blast a hole in the base and suck all the oxygen out. Another cybership appears, but the Doctor is able to deflect its attack with the Gravitron. The Doctor gets an idea and uses the Gravitron to blast the Cybermen and their ships into space. Using spacesuits to get back to the TARDIS, the Doctor and his friends see a ship fly overhead. The Doctor muses it will not be the last time they see the Cybermen. Once they dematerialize, they find themselves on a new planet. 
but Polly screams when a clawed hand appears on the scanner. I was actually listening intently to your recap, Caleb. My stunning recap. Maybe it was because of how late at night I listened to this episode, but I was having such difficulty following what the hell is happening. Yeah, this particular episode was tough to follow. Because it was a whole bunch of technical jargon, and my last note of the episode is I blinked and missed them beating the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. Going back to Polly's plan, I like the fact that they have they have the acid that they can use to defeat the Cybermen. So the Cybermen retreat out into zero gravity so that that weapon can't be used against them. So now it's just like a stalemate between the humans and the Cybermen. Because if they go into the base, they'll be subjected to the thing that can beat them. But the humans also can't leave. So it's just they're both in check. And I like it. It's just a question of when the stalemate will break. Uh, that being said, it takes its sweet-ass time breaking that stalemate. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of back and forth between, or attempted communication between the base and central control. There's, <laughs> uh, central control sends up a vessel at one point to investigate what's going on, and the uh, Cybermen take control of the Gravitron for a second and redirect it, and I think it's hilarious because they're like, my god, it's going straight for the sun! <laughs> And that's funny because they the sun is very far away and they could just steer away from it. <laughs> the sun is not right up against the moon. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I feel like they gave some sort of really bullshit reason of like, ah, oh, no, they're they're pulled into the sun's gravitational force and they have no chance of escape. It's only a matter of time before they. I think they said land on the sun, which I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I feel like they can probably. I don't know, turn to the right, use escape pods, something. <laughs> Do anything, maybe die in the 20 years it's going to take them to get to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> they do say that it's going to take them several weeks before they get there, but they will get there. And I'm like, that's several weeks that they could use. <laughs> yeah, to do literally anything else. I thought it was a very silly moment, so. Yeah, they just they just needed to write off the, why did the shuttle not come and save them? They were like, uh, because uh, uh, the sun. Yes, went to the sun. That's the reason. Anyway, stop asking. But they already had the reason. The reason was we'll shoot it away the Gravitron and nothing can come near us. Problem solved. It's at this point, this has been an issue in a couple of the previous episodes, but it's at this point where I'm really starting to notice the recurring issues of Ben and Jamie both kind of fulfilling the same role. Mm-hmm. So it kind of feels like they don't know what to do with one while the other is doing something. Mm-hmm. Like, case in point, Jamie was feverish and or in a coma half of this episode, which allowed Ben to do stuff. And then once Jamie woke up, Ben and Jamie just kind of felt like one person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I felt that in the past couple of adventures, too, where, like, yeah, like Ben and Jamie are, like, a team in my mind. <laughs> which was an issue because... You know, scripts were written, and then they decided at the last minute of the Highlanders that, hey, Jamie's going to be a companion now. So what ended up happening was they just divided Ben's lines in half and just gave them Mm. to Jamie. I'm not saying that I'm looking forward to Ben and Polly's exodus, but I do feel like once they do leave, that's when Jamie's going to shine. Well, now I know Ben and Polly are leaving at the same time, so thanks, Mac. Sorry. Sorry. Ben and Polly are like Ian and Barbara, you know? Yeah. It'd be weird if one stayed and the other left. I'm still waiting for a companion to just fucking die. Not counting Katarina or Sarah Kingdom? Uh, yeah. 
Unfortunately, they unfortunately they did not participate in a genocide, so they weren't companions. Like an actual companion that's more that's around for more than one story. You know, I get you. But uh, stay tuned. Anyway, my my third note is: Oh no, I'm halfway through the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of the doctor kind of just talking, <laughs> and then mm. and then he realizes, hey, I can just use the graviton to blow the Cyberman away. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what he does. He doesn't really defeat them. He just kind of like knocks them away. <laughs> At least that's how I interpret it. It didn't seem like a catastrophic. I blew all the Cybermen up. It just seems like oh, I pushed them away, and now they're gone. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. Like he used the gravitron and like. He yada 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 his way through some rewiring, and then all of them just like lifted off the moon and just started drifting into space. And I'm like, all right, bye. <laughs> it's a good thing you're physically incapable of being bored because you're just gonna be wandering probably forever. Bye, <laughs> bye. <laughs> good job. Now this is assuming, of course, that there weren't any Cybermen left on their ship. Because if there were any Cybermen left on their ship, the ship could then just pick up the other Cybermen who are one who are around them, and then come back to the moon and try again. <laughs> In my mind, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> the Doctor and the TARDIS like dematerialize, and the Cyber ship just lands and blows up the moon base. Little does the Doctor know that the Cybermen are supposed to blow up the moon base. So time <laughs> just corrects itself by having them just come back the moment he leaves and blowing yep. up the moon base. <laughs> Bada boom. Which again uh, makes me want to defend Ben's desire to leave everything all the time because it doesn't matter what they do. Time is going to do whatever is supposed to happen here. But the doctor's uh, way of thinking is just, just like, well, you can't prove that he wasn't going to kill them. It's like you can't prove that us being here isn't what's supposed to happen. We might have to help these people. It's possible that these people are supposed to die. True. But if that is the case, then my trying to help them won't do anything. But if we're supposed to help them and we don't, then that's fucking shit up. So, like, the default is let's help these people. If they die anyway, well, that's what was supposed to happen. That sounds like some timey-wimey bullshit. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I think it tracks... I feel like I'm doing a really bad job of explaining it. No, I understand. I understand. I don't know. <laughs> Time does not account for timey-wimey people in police boxes. <laughs> I don't know. That's not up for the doctor to decide. <laughs> so I, I guess so. I don't know. Obviously, time is relative, and the doctor just makes excuses for whatever he wants to do. So Basically. So if he's just going to do whatever he wants to do anyway, and he wants to help people, then fuck it. We're going to help people. <laughs> I have a time machine. I have a time machine. It would, Caleb, with great power comes great responsibility, and he has a goddamn time machine. <laughs> uh, don't Spider-Man me. <laughs> Brittany and I were joking earlier, uh, talking about how you're just like, ah, fuck it, and then it's like, nah, never mind. It's not our problem. It just leaves. I like to imagine you were given a machine that allows you to travel through anywhere in time and space, and you just think, oh, thank God, I don't have to drive to the grocery store anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, finally. I can live my life in peace. <laughs> I mean, I would do fun stuff, but I wouldn't be like, oh, wow, here I am at the fucking parade where Archduke Ferdinand is assassinated. 
I'm going to try and stop World of War One. <laughs> it's not something I would actively do. You try to wrestle the gun out of his hand, and it goes off like, <laughs> and kills him. Like, fuck. <laughs> or, like, I'd go to a moon base, and there's a weird virus, and my response would be, I'm not qualified to deal with this. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I can try and, like, time travel and, like, find a doctor who knows the weird moon virus you're dealing with. But that's all I could do. And, frankly, I could do that at any point because I have a time machine. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. But at this current moment in time, the doctor has absolutely no idea how to pilot the TARDIS. So he probably wouldn't. The arc was a fluke. He would not be able to come to the same point (laughs) twice in a row. (laughs) Oh, I suppose. Now that we're done uh, talking philosophy about <laughs> time travel, one last piece of trivia. Ennis Lloyd uh, suggested the moon setting uh, for this episode uh, specifically in order to uh, tap in to the popularity and viewership of the um, of the space race that was going on at the time. Oh, well, that like, makes ah. sense. Ah, people fucking love the moon. Let's give, <laughs> let's give them the fucking moon. <laughs> yeah, the people want it. Give the people what they want. <laughs> Based solely on one impression I saw Fraser Hines do in an interview, that is how Heinz Lloyd was. Really? <laughs> because he said that Heinz Lloyd, like, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and said, What do you say, kid? You want to be a companion? <laughs> <laughs> Just like a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> wow. Thank you for filling... The exact stereotype I think 1960s TV producers are. <laughs> that's exactly who he was. Sorry, Innis Lloyd. Keep, I keep forgetting that's how his name is pronounced. Innis. Innis. Innis Lloyd. I, th- I, th- I thought Eins was a cool name. I think Innis is stupid. Yeah, you're right. Eins is our nickname for him. Good old Eins. Yep, it's canonical now. I'm ready for final thoughts if you are. Final thoughts? It was... It, it was fine. I probably would have enjoyed it more if I could have watched even part of it. But it, you're right. It's just the Cybermen, but again, and not as good, I would argue. I think that it is like just the 10th planet too, and everything is turned up. And for some for some things, that benefits. I think the Cybermen were a lot more intimidating in this one. Yeah. Because they were, because it actually showed the cyber conversion. Like people were actually being turned against former crewmates because of the Cybermen influence, which to me is the scariest part about Cybermen. Uh, we didn't really get that much in 10th Planet. Like, Polly and the Doctor almost got converted, but then they weren't. But it also got the worst because there was more just radio speak between the base and the headquarters. There was even more technical speak, especially when it came to how the Gravitron was going to help beat the Cybermen. So yeah, it was just, it was more of 10th Planet. Yeah, and like, I do think I do think listening to an audio was a detriment to the episode. One because like it was kind of hard to visualize what was going on, and mm-hmm. also like I really appreciate some of the audio tricks they are doing, like with the spacesuits and with the Cybermen. But because I didn't have subtitles or like I kind of watched their mouths, I I lost a lot of the dialogue in this episode. Yeah, yeah. When I do eventually get the DVD, I'll do what I was planning on doing and just like. Rec- like recording it and then sending it to you. We might be like halfway through the sixth sixth doctor, and I'll be like, "Hey, remember this episode? Here." <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, "Oh yeah." So there's that, and then Polly not being able to catch a fucking break. 
she comes up with the solution to defeat the Cybermen and then is immediately benched because of men's work. And I'm like, man, when Polly is written well, she is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. But but then she's given to a writer who's like a strong, independent woman who has free thoughts. What the fuck am I supposed to do with that? No, 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 no. We'll put her off to the side, uh, have her get kidnapped. Uh, can she make coffee in this one? All right, she'll make coffee. Yeah, no, it's irritating. Like, even even though it's of the era, it's still irritating. <laughs> Women love making coffee. My secretary does it all the time. This is going to sound bad, but it would be less irritating if it was, like, a consistent character trait of hers. But as we mm-hmm. said, Polly is a boss bitch. Yeah, no, I agree. And she takes charge, and she comes up with plans, and then also makes coffee and gets kidnapped. Because then, then it would just be, like, Susan. And it's like, okay, I dislike that character because she is consistently bad. Polly, we've mm-hmm. seen her be good, which is why it's more frustrating when she's not. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is just give us five stars and tell your friends about it. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you want to follow Mac and I specifically, you can follow Mac at MacTheMeth and me at COB underscore Clark. Also, be sure to check out Mac's YouTube channel, also called Mac the Meh, where he does insightful video essays about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we listen to an episode written by the same person who wrote Caleb's favorite episode in The Macra Terror. What's my favorite episode? The War Machines. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I didn't know if I, you were being... <laughs> I meant it genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> I watched a video the other day um, that uh, was talking about the behind the scenes uh, production stories of The Wizard of Oz, which came out in like, I think, like the 30s. Man, you thought behind the scenes of Doctor Who was bad? (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, it is a a fucking miracle that nobody died (laughs) during the production of Wizard of Oz. Jesus fucking Christ. Anyway, that's n- we're not talking about the Wizard of Oz, we're talking about Doctor Who. <laughs>